You're listening to the Global Inclusion and Practice Podcast, sharing the stories of DEI changemakers around the world. Vivian Aqua and Marjolein Vlug bring you behind-the-scenes stories and kitchen table conversations about the personal perspectives of DEI professionals, representatives, advocates, and allies, talking about what matters in this work and what sustains us in creating lasting change. There are many of us working on creating a more inclusive world. Let's share our stories. We're in this together. Hi, Clarissa. Welcome to the Global Inclusion in Practice podcast. And we are so excited for having you as our guest. And can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, thank you so much for having me, first of all. So I'm Clarissa Frank. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a, or I identify as a multiracial first generation Chinese American. That's now an immigrant in the Netherlands. I'm originally from the west coast of the U.S., and now I've been in Amsterdam for about six years. So as you can see, I grew up in, in that now I live in places that are really full of diverse cultures and traditions. So I've often, like, felt stuck in the middle. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, or maybe, like, as the only bridge connecting one culture to another. And spent a lot of my professional life kind of feeling unsure of how to really make an impact. But for now, for work, I consider myself a coach, facilitator, creative, and consultant. And in my coaching, because of my background, I enjoy helping other ambitious, diverse professionals build their visibility and advance their careers. And yeah, again, I'm sure we'll dive into this a little bit more, but I'm currently exploring what's next in my own career journey. And I'm looking to add projects or roles within the DEI space that allow me to either one, create experiences, whether that's coaching, workshops, or out-of-the-box things, uh, or offer consulting on internal processes and or content strategy to make those things more inclusive. So that's me. So you mentioned something about building bridges and diving a little bit deeper, because I am curious about you being here in the Netherlands and you were from West California, but what made you come all the way here to the Netherlands? Yeah, good question. I, you know, some people, immigrants, expats here call me a love pat because I came here for love, more or less. <laughs> so I <laughs> met a Spanish a boy, man, I guess now, and we were both traveling at the time, backpacking, and we met in Kosovo, and he got a job here first, and so after a little bit of long distance, I looked into moving here as well, and and here we are. So that's the the short story of it. Thank you for sharing. What what's one juicy detail about you that you would love for everyone listening to to know about you in where you're developing with your DEI work? Yeah, that that's a good question. I was pondering that one mm-hmm. as we started here. And I think what I would want people to take away is, like, seeing someone that has such, like, a multitude of backgrounds that, like, we are all that, you know. So I think I always hope that, like, people see, like, oh, we can always be more than one thing or the one thing that people label us or whatever. And so I think that's why some of my coaching clients have enjoyed working with me. 
over the years, I've worked with a lot of other multiracial people as well, but just I hope, yeah, people see that, that, like, we can be more than one thing. We can have, like, all these diversity uh, backgrounds and experiences and bring them into our work and so to tie it into what you just said, like, being able to, like, bring that creative side I have and the analytical side I have and bringing that into work and, you know, the experiences I have growing up in the U.S. and traveling abroad and bringing that here. And so, yeah, I think bringing the diversity part in. And when you look at your current DEI career journey, where are you? So I would say that I would hope that I've brought brought DEI aspects into my entire journey and like whatever role or project I've been in. But in terms of like actually where I'm at now is looking at like how can I more how can I bring it more into my work? So like is it mm-hmm. an actual role that's called D like am I actually a DEI specialist or manager? Or am I going to stay on the consulting kind of freelance contractor side? And so that's the decision or space that I'm working with and then I think it's more where can I find the next opportunity and and collaborate with others, and again, whether that's like internally an organization or externally as a freelancer consultant, I'm still open to that to that part. But I do feel like I've, whether I've been a learning and development specialist or a coach, or now I do some content strategy work as well, I'm always trying to think through a DEI lens. That sort of combined with what you said earlier, you know, th- there's different sides to you, and you're not going to leave one behind and bring the other in, or you know, and it's there. You know, you can be a DEI specialist and have that job title, or you can be a content creator who creates content that is inclusive. You're not going to leave one thing behind just because you're doing the other thing. You're not going to leave one part of who you are behind just because you know your job title is something else. You're all those things whichever role you have or choose and whichever moment you're in yeah and sometimes you are sometimes you have like this morning i saw a post about dei professionals being like 10 roles in one Mm -hmm. right you're the coach you're the strategist you are the consoler you're the counselor you are so much more i don't know all 10 by heart but there's so much into that and i am curious into what inspired you to navigate this journey yeah I think it's because the last eight years I've been pretty solo like a solopreneur I guess the word is and so I've been Mm -hmm. working more on my own and like being hired as a freelancer onto random projects or things and they or you know as a coach just with one-on-one clients and so I'm missing like kind of an overall vision or impact and it's something that's always been in my personal life like you know the things that I read or study or the things that maybe I talk about on social media or things like that but it's never been you know the main focus of my work and so I'm like okay as a get older I guess I want to look for more purpose and passion in my work and 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 yeah I think a lot of people no matter age you are looking for that uh more people are looking for that so yeah I think that's what sparked this is like okay I don't want to just if I'm going to do a content project on 
you know, helping people's uh, legal page or whatever, like, okay, could I actually do the same work for helping, you know, within the DEI space? So I think that's what sparked this. Yeah. Purpose. Who's your role model in this? Yeah. So, well, don't want to be too cheesy. We both of you is <laughs> like role models <laughs> way shape or form over the years. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I guess I should say someone else too. But I like both of you in different ways. Like Marilyn, just like in your compassion and your drive and your allyship, I think is really, uh, it's yeah, definitely uh, like the way you do that has been a role model for me in ways that I want to be an ally for people as well. And then Vivian, yeah, like in your visibility and how you speak about things and put yourself out there as well. And then if I didn't think of someone outside the two of you, then I would... And thank you because I didn't see this coming at all. Like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, <maybe? laughs> no, please add another one. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so I would say like most of the people that I do look up to are people that I am following on social media and reading their content and because I love content a lot, just like in terms of storytelling and all those things. But I, I would also like to name one of my teachers, specifically their name is Daniela, and they identify as an artist and decolonization educator. And I love how they weave art and nature into their teachings and really make it experiential. And I think that the, like their full-time job, I want to say, is some, I have to double-check, but some, something in the education space and as a director there for, like, a really cool organization. But they're always sharing, like, a lot of their learnings on on Instagram as their main platform, but I've also been in their courses. And, yeah, they've been a teacher of mine for a couple of years now. We'll put the link to that Instagram account in in our show notes. What about DEI work is important for you to do? Yeah, so I had a conversation. I was trying to remember the person's name. If I remember it, I'll send you all the link uh, to their LinkedIn. But we were having this conversation about, you know, our lives have been about being the bridge for other people. And for me, DEI work is like, okay, bringing other people onto the bridge with with us so that we're not the only people like holding up and then when we're gone you know the these two opposing whatever not opposing but different cultures or groups of people aren't talking to each other anymore it's Mm -hmm. like okay how can we get people onto the bridge and get them comfortable because it's not comfortable you have to be vulnerable you have to put yourself out there you have to make mistakes you know, like even for me coming and doing a few more podcasts and things like that, coming on here and saying things and, you know, I might make a mistake or I might say the wrong thing and that's vulnerable and that's scary as well. So for me, that's why DI work is important is that like it's getting more people onto the bridge to be vulnerable, to be human. <laughs> I think that's, that's part of it too, is like to be more all of us to be more human and learn and make mistakes and, and yeah, hopefully build a better, it sounds idealistic, I guess, but to build a better, a better world and better places where we can all feel, yeah, safe, included, 
like be able to be our naturally resourceful, creative, and whole selves, basically. Right? Well, that's what you're mentioning. Is, right? It's an ambition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, you're mentioning something that is very valuable, right? Be human, uh, have a growth mindset, and and learn from the mistakes. But also, a very important factor is that. Being a DEI specialist doesn't make you not biased anymore, right? Not perfect. You're still imperfect. So DEI professionals aren't perfect. At least I am not, and I know that Marieline isn't. I know all the people that we are talking here aren't. So to uphold DEI professionals in a way that they are perfect or put them in a pedestal where they aren't allowed to make mistakes is a myth. It's definitely a myth. Yeah, I feel that a lot. As well as, uh, yeah, especially as I've like gotten to do, I've been doing a lot of informational interviews as I, as I figure out my next steps. And I think, yeah, I'm guilty of that, putting people on a pedestal and feeling, oh, they've got it like perfectly. They have like the perfect business or they're doing really important work and I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And so like through these interviews is like, yeah, just seeing people as human again, one, but like, also, there's something that you just said that made me think, yeah, just, again, just seeing them as human and that they're also learning and growing and making mistakes and and that this, oh, that's what I was going to say, that this is like any other job, that like, you know, mm-hmm. there's some people that are saying like, okay, yeah, you can go in there with experiences you had and some people telling me like, oh, no, you can't do that like you have to have like this education and you have to have this and that's like the same in any you know if I wanted to become I don't know a project manager people would probably tell me the same thing they'd be like oh no you have like some of the skills already you could go be a project manager tomorrow and some people might be like oh well you have to go to project management school get a certification and then you can become a project manager right so it's reminding me that this is also another career in another path that people have taken and their skills and experiences that, you know, people will see and value and some people won't. Yeah, there's there's purpose in it, but it's also just work and career and it works the way every career step works. What are you great at? Yeah, this is a good one. I mm-hmm. <laughs> It's funny because you're like, yeah. You know, as a coach, I'm always challenging people to name what they're great at. And then when the question is reflected back to you, it's always like, yep. okay, what would I say? So this is a good one. I would say that I'm really great at writing. Writing is, like, probably one of my core strengths. And then I really enjoy just creating – I think that I'm great at presence and creating spaces where people especially like in coaching one-on-one like where they feel like they can let down some of their armor and and be vulnerable so I think that it works one-on-one and then I've held some group spaces in the past as well where people feel like oh we can really say what we want to say and be heard and clear so we'll make sure that like everybody kind of gets that chance to do that so yeah I think that's what something that I'm great at. Oh, you are. These are all facts. <laughs> I know that from personal experience. Thank you for telling the truth. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Vivian Aqua, the Certified DEI Consultant, and I would like to invite you to take your organization to the next level of understanding by collaborating with me. I specialize in helping organizations amplify their DEI initiatives and foster an inclusive environment. Reach out today to learn how I can help your organization unleash its hidden potential and create a culture of belonging. What is a privilege that you have and you currently use in your line of work? Yes, so I would say there's two that came to mind in this question. I think they interweave a little bit. One, being multiracial, I think, is a privilege, especially when I've, like, had the privilege of presenting as white and, like, entering spaces where people accept me right away or, you know, don't, like, question me as much as if uh, they might like see me as more Asian looking for whatever reason and the and kind of on the same vein like being an American and having Mm -hmm. like American privilege as well living in Europe I see that and like and in terms of like I think again I think they're both related but like using that in my work is like kind of like coaching clients like showing the mirror and being like well if you're coming from a country in the Middle East, like our experiences here living in the Netherlands are not going to be the same in finding work or like when I do career coaching, especially, you know, so like, you know, looking at the inequities that might be in play of like why they why they might not be getting interviews because maybe they have a very uncommon name or a name that like gives away like where they're from. And so there might be such judgment or, you know, biases that are happening in their application process where my name is Clarissa Frank and people think yeah. I might be German sometimes or that, <laughs> which of my ancestors are from Germany so it makes sense but you know I can ask if I'm related to Anna Frank which I don't know if that's possible or not but there's uh you know so there's already like with my name already and then yeah so just like weaving it into my work and like helping others see like wait my why it might not be their fault like especially with career coaching or coaching clients why it's maybe not their fault that they feel this way or that they are experiencing these things that maybe there's nothing more that they can do, but we can like look at what systems are maybe holding them back and like, okay, how can we interact with that system now that we have that knowledge and now that we like are yeah, acknowledging that it's there and how we are going to move forward with that. So there's that. And then just in like group, more group uh, settings, I think because I, I've always kind of felt like an outsider or tried to find my own belonging, like not being Asian enough, not being white enough to fit in growing up and stuff. I think that already gives me like, okay, who's not at the table and who can we include at the table for this discussion? No matter race in that case, like it's like, okay, do we need somebody from legal or finance here to talk about this project? Or, you know, like what about in like, in even in a meeting room, people that are maybe more quiet or introverted, like trying to get their opinion as well uh, as they as we go forward and things so yeah I think that like that privilege and being able to see both flip sides has helped me mm-hmm. in, in those situations there's another mm-hmm. thing that you're great at <laughs> and have become great at I mean that's how you've developed it yeah exactly what's been a big surprise that you've encountered 
I don't know if it's, I would say surprise, but just a, like a learning journey in itself is just learning the differences in DI work between the U.S. and here. And honestly, it was surprising how, like, for countries that I felt like were more progressive, like the Netherlands or, I don't know, other countries in this part of Europe, like, that they don't, that they're not ready to talk about race yet as much as, like, in the U.S. And for me, that was really surprising because I thought, like, oh, like, they would be, like, even more so than the U.S., like, they are on other issues, like healthcare or, I don't know, that's just the first one on the top of my mind. But, yeah, I think it was like, oh, you don't want to talk about that, or I'm too American if I want to bring that up. I think that was really surprising to me when I first moved here and then like also starting this journey as well and hearing yeah very experienced DEI experts say oh yeah like we don't talk about race we talk about culture or we talk about these different things and I'm like what it is let's focus on gender and leave the rest of diversity out for now exactly exactly so I think that is still surprising even as I talk to more people and learn about it I'm just like but this is a big factor and this is you know I've worked in small Dutch startups where like everyone is white Dutch and great but I'm like what about you know like we're in this neighborhood that's very diverse you don't have anyone that's not white Dutch on your team or you know like am I the only one speaking from my person of color experience so it's also not very comfortable because I'm not Dutch so yeah it's just a it's been a surprise I think how do, how do you currently navigate that? I think sometimes I just step in. You know, I am American, so I can't talk about it. So for me, it's not uncomfortable to, you know, bring it up or, like, ask questions about it because I think I, you know, I come from California, but I lived in Seattle for about nine years, and Seattle is a very progressive city and, like, talking about these things. And I was in the social justice kind of sphere when I was living there, so we were – yeah, talking about those things and stuff is not, it's uncomfortable, but it's still not, it's still not something like I'm afraid to question maybe. And so sometimes it's just like asking, finding the right question to ask or, you know, being like, oh, so like, why, why do you think like that? Or, you know, do you think it could be this? Like, do you think that race or like where this person came from could be the reason that they're treated like that? Or sometimes just sharing my personal ex- experience too. Like, Unfortunately, I have had some, like, racist experiences here in the Netherlands that I'm not sure I want to share on this podcast, but, like, that have been really unfortunate and really harsh. And so, like, just on a personal connection of being like, this is what happened to me. Do you believe that that's real or that people would treat me like that because they saw me as Asian and not belonging here? And for me, that's really important, too, because, like, there's people that live in the Netherlands that look like me, that 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 they're also from Indonesian and or Surinamese descent that look mixed exactly like me. And so, like, if they're not being kind or welcoming to me, that, like, makes me, like, I'm getting passionate about talking about now because I'm like, there's people that look like me that they belong here because they've been here for generations and they are Dutch and they should be treated with, like, more respect. So, yeah. 
You're hitting a nail on, on something which also brings to the workplace. Like a lot of people have this assumption. And the Netherlands is very progressive, right? We have the red light district. We have our weed. We have our tulips. And then we have our cheeses. But then again, we there are people living here, right? And where everywhere where people are, there is unconscious bias. And this goes also to the same workplaces, like all these companies that have their best culture or great workplace award, that's fine. But then again, which departments should not have that award, right? A lot of people look upon those rewards or recognition like this is the best company. I would say Netflix, Google, LinkedIn, Indeed, and all the the big companies, but also the small companies that are doing their best to mitigate unconscious bias doesn't mean that there is no unconscious bias, right? How they embark this journey by being open, sharing more transparency about where they are and what they are going to do better. Whereas here in Europe, I'm seeing less of that, less of the transparency, less of the DEI from, okay, we started here, we are open about our journey, and this is where we want to go because of the lack of data that we have. So it's good that you are addressing it, that yes, the Netherlands is very progressive, but there is a lot happening on the water. A lot of work to be done. Definitely. So looking at what you have shared before, what would you like to explore in the future? Yeah, I think I'm still wanting to explore, yeah, more like from professional space, like more collaborations or how I could, you know, what what's my path or how can I best help in this space? And I think that's where I'm still exploring and making connections and finding where I could maybe find that. And then in terms of like learning also for myself is like I'm learning more about, you know, especially like neurodiversity and also, yeah, I guess you call it, and again, this is because I need to do the learning around it, like physical disabilities and like how we could be more inclusive of people with yeah, just different abilities, I guess, as well. So I think that's in terms of, like, my own personal and professional development. Again, like, I feel like I know a lot about racial justice and gender uh, diversity as well. But, like, yeah, like, what are other pieces of the pie that I need to learn more about for myself, like, personally, but also as an ally, uh, too? That's beautiful. Really looking forward to seeing that develop and learning with you because it's something <laughs> that I'm also learning. Yeah. 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 What lights you up? I think the discussion we were just talking about, the biggest surprise that you could see that out was like lighting me up. And I'm like, and so, yeah, of course, like talking about uh, racial diversity and equity and that, and just like different cultures too, because like, I mean, I love living in Amsterdam for that reason. Like, I, Amsterdam is one of the few cities in the world that I've felt like I finally belong because I feel like part of, like, this very international mix. And, again, I know that that's not true for everybody, but for myself, like, I was seen as an outsider for so long in the U.S. because I not don't fit, like, people's stereotype of what an American looks like, even though I am American. <laughs> Like, coming here, I am an outsider, and I've kind of embraced that, like, oh, I'm an outsider, and that's okay, and that's, like, who I am. And so, yeah, I think talking about those issues and things, like, light me up a lot. And then, yeah, people. 
people light me up, and even if they're being terrible people or terrible humans, <laughs> sometimes that also makes me, yeah, just, like, get curious and creative. Like, how can, like, if I'm in a training and there's someone pushing back a lot, it's, like, it's frustrating, but it's also, like, okay, how can I get them to feel like they can ask new questions or, like, you know, get into learning a little bit more because, yeah, again, they, if I look at them as just a human, then, yeah, they're processing, they're learning, they're growing. And so for me, that means I get to be a little bit, I have to be a little bit more creative. And that's like one of my values. And I think also something that I'm good at is getting creative in those kinds of situations. Hey, are you ready to rediscover focus, clarity, and resilience so that you can be a stronger change maker for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? I am Marie Langfleur. I'm a certified coach. And whether you're getting started in DEI or are further along in your journey, I can support you to take your work to the next level. With me as your ally, you can gain clarity on your next initiatives or career goals, make intentional choices, stay accountable to them, deal with the intensity of the work and create real change. Let's talk. I'd love to learn more about you. Reach out, book a chat. You can definitely, to the listeners who are listening or watching this episode, you can definitely hear that Clarissa is a coach. <laughs> we are all coaches. <laughs> we are all coaches on this call. And we come from asking questions, diving deep, but that's a, that's Getting a curious. really good muscle to have when you are a DEI professional, when you want to become a DEI professional, because you don't want to approach people with your assumptions, right? We all know that assumptions need to be clarified. And the best way to do that is to ask questions, reflect, ask questions. So I love that you are bringing those questions up. And what's next for you? Well, as I mentioned before, yeah, I'm kind of expanding my own career journey. So I'm looking for projects or roles that maybe the title isn't DI specialist or DI consultant, but it's like the company's open to, okay, you're coming in for content strategy or you're coming in to coach or facilitate learnings. And, you know, like, yeah, we're open to you bringing a DI lens to that or, you know. Even if they don't see it, like I can ask, like it, you know, if I can ask the right questions and move them in that direction too, I'm okay with pushing the boundaries a little bit on that. But yeah, I think it's something with a team, with working with others, because again, I've been this solopreneur now for a while and I'm ready to really have a dedicated team or people that like I can lean on for support and that can, who can lean on me as well. Mm, I love that. Thank you. I'm so curious to see where where it's going to take you. I know you read a lot. I know you listen and you go on social media and you pick up new insights all over the place. Do you have a recommendation for for us and for our listeners as to, you know, what to read, what to watch, what to listen to? Yeah, so the first, well, I think another thing I'm really passionate about is just like all of us slowing down more and just creating like a slower life 
And so there's a couple of resources on that. The first one is the NAP Ministry, which I think a lot of people have heard of uh, now. And they are this person that runs the account. I can't remember their name off the top of my head. But, they, you know, they're always talking about, like, Russ is resist. Oh, Trisha Hersey. Hersey. I might not be saying that correctly. But they have, like, this. I guess they were also... Uh, in Amsterdam recently and just like the way that they speak about resting and uh, rest as resistance is I think really important and on that same note I this is the book I it just finished it's called 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman and the same thing and it's like technically a time management book but it's really about like undoing all and learning all the things we know about time management and how we run our lives and all of that. And then the last thing that I'll mention that I'm also just started reading, but I think I could still recommend it because I'm liking it a lot so far. It's called Regenerative Business. And so, and that is by Samantha Garcia. And yeah, that one is all about, you know, there's this movement for regenerative farming and like just things like, yeah just following the cycles of nature like with not just our personal lives but also in our businesses there's you know all the cycles of nature of like dying of like being the death of like an offer or something that you're doing in your business and in the springtime of planting seeds and then the summer of enjoying your heart like enjoying the bounty and things like this and also in the you know in the fall too continuing getting things as well so yeah, I think those would be like the three things that I would recommend. Thanks. I like how you bring that in because that is also part of the I have the wider space of, you know, white supremacy culture and and colonialism and patriarchy and hustle culture and everything that is part of that way of thinking. You know, your suggestions help us develop different thinking around that. Yeah. I love how you pull that wider. Yeah, exactly. Because I think also it's just like we are living in, yeah, capitalist cultures. And so for like, I've had some health issues the last year that made me slow down a lot. It's like, okay, even if I slow down, I should be a valid part of society and not just me, like others as well. Like that have, that can't work at the same pace. None of us can work at the pace that like we're being pushed to work at. But I think especially living in Europe and coming from America where things are just like rapid to like people are working 50, 60 hour weeks until they die, basically like coming here and people like enjoying their two weeks vacation, three weeks, four weeks vacations. And like, Oh, that's possible. You can do that. And I would love more of that for, yeah, my family and friends back in the States as well. Like to see that you don't have to live on a hamster wheel for your whole life. So Mm -hmm. I think, that's where this passion comes from. What do you wish for your colleagues or others who do DEI work? There's two things that come to mind. One is recognition, just like personal recognition of how much y'all are doing and mm-hmm. changing the world. And as I've been talking to more and more people, that's really apparent. And then, like, yeah, giving yourself the personal recognition. But I wish, yeah, more people could see, like, some of the powerful work that is happening within the organizations and teams and individuals that y'all are working with. And then 
like peace with that like peace be like okay you're doing enough you don't have to carry the whole world on your shoulders or in your hands wherever <laughs> like just in peace that there are so many people doing this work and so many people that are passionate about this love that i love that and on that note i am truly grateful for having you on today's episode and for those who would like to ask questions or comments this episode please leave them below the show notes as well and Marjolein what do you have to share yeah and anyone who'd like to connect or have a chat with Clarissa <laughs> the way to contact her will be in the in the show notes as well there will be a bit of time between us publishing this and a recording day and Chris, I'm sure that you'll you'll be interested in connecting with more people and and chatting with others in the field at that time. Yes, definitely. There you go. Until next time. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You're warmly invited to pause for a moment and think about what stood out to you from this conversation. Please share this episode with others to inspire them too. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack channel. We'll be back soon with more episodes. Be well, take care, and stay connected.